The world is changing fast. Issues of racial injustice, refugees, and immigration are pressing now more than ever. Climate change, unpredictable political environment, especially for our friends in Iowa tomorrow. <laughs> From every day, things are changing so quickly. The world is changing around us. Communication technology. Uh, it used to be that uh, you'd send a letter and you'd get home in about a week, and now you get an instant messenger request on the second, right? It's amazing. Technology and social media are constantly changing how we relate, how we connect, how we work. We're never really completely disconnected. And sometimes that technology is creating a greater divide even between generations. The boomers and the millennials are still trying to figure each other out. In the midst of all of this, some big things do not change. Because even in all those changes you heard about in Taiwan, what is the constant but the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the constant but the Holy Spirit moving where the Spirit will to bring people together, bring people uh, to Christ? These are the things that don't change. That God is at work reconciling all things to himself in and through the world. And also that doesn't change is our need for each other. As Lillian said in her gratitude, this does not happen on their own, but with people pulling together, working together, praying together, and trusting God together. To make sense of this world, in order, if we're ever going to kindle a a living and a real hope, uh, in order to keep the church from sinking further into irrelevance, because the church is often sinking into irrelevance. You heard it on the video for the youth class. Three quarters of our young people will leave the church when they leave high school. But in order to keep it from that, not to save the church as an institution, but rather that the gospel might proclaim, we we absolutely must grow deeper, more deeply in our walk with Jesus. And that's part of what the youth class is going to do. We need to grow deeper in our walk with Jesus that nurtures a love not only for him, but a love for the people that he loves, our sisters and brothers in Christ and those that do not yet know Christ. We must grow deeper in our walk with Christ that nurtures our love for the people that he loves. It is not just a personal improvement plan going to church. It is a world-changing plan. Community. Community is often the word that we, of what we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to experience as followers of Christ. Our vision here at Naperville Covenant adds the word inviting, inviting community. And that's used as a, as, a, as a verb that we should be inviting people, but it's really used as an adjective that we should have a quality about us that is inviting and makes people thirsty for what we have in Jesus Christ and draws them in. Many in our current culture would add another adjective, and that would be authentic, authentic community. That's what we're considering today is authentic community, made authentic with Christ at the center. And this is what I want to say is that authentic, inviting Christian community, which is a key to our own vision here and is something longed for deep in our hearts by many. Authentic Christian community may be best found not by looking for it, but by simply pursuing Jesus more deeply together. Let me talk a while, and hopefully that all comes together at the end, and uh, we, we make that point. Christian community. Is it really necessary? Is the first point we'll look at. Secondly, authenticity. Why can't we just fake it? <laughs> Thirdly, developing authentic, authentic community. Is that even the right strategy? At our Midwinter conference this week and conversations with several different pastors, we end up kind of sharing some of the the joys of ministry. And as you might guess, sometimes we share some of the difficulties and the challenges of of ministry. And sometimes it's the challenge of of simply of doing church on on a daily basis and, and the motivation to do that and to try to move things forward. 
And some of the struggles that we had with community is some of the reasons people just say they've had enough with it. I've referred before to a book that I've read some years ago, but the title says it all. They like, speaking of the younger culture, they like Jesus, but not the church. Stories right here of those who have come and gone hurt by others. Is the church really that bad? Have we messed it up that much that people say, I love Jesus, but you can have the church? Is this get-together, be it the church or call it community, really necessary? Do we have to do this? Well, one way to put it is this. If God is my father, then this is my family. (laughs) If God is my father, this is my family. When we come to faith in Christ, he places us in the church, in his body. We may or may not be a member. We may or may not be a regular attender to an actual church body, but we are part of the church. We are made part of the church. It's part of what happens when we become Christians. One of my favorite Christian authors is Eugene Peterson, and he says this, God never makes private, secret salvation deals with people. Isn't that great? His relationships with us are personal, true, intimate, yes, but private, no. We are a family in Christ. When we become Christians, we are among brothers and sisters in faith. No Christian is an only child. If God is my father, then this is my family. Two weeks ago, David Swan, Pastor David Swanson from New Community Covenant Church in Bronzeville in Chicago opened us up to look more broadly at this in terms of race and ethnicity. He shared with us that, 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 that racial reconciliation is not just one of the many implications of the gospel, but that it's, it's rooted in the gospel, that Jesus is the one who breaks down the walls and enables us to reconcile first with God and then calls us secondly to reconcile with one another. He spoke to us from Ephesians 2 where Paul speaks of the wall being broken down between Jew and Gentile, which was so key then to how the church would roll from then on that God is in the business of breaking down the walls that separate us from each other. He is at work creating one new humanity of all kinds of ethnicities and races and languages together. Our only hope to achieve that is in and through Christ together. Is the church necessary? Is community necessary? Absolutely. It is God's plan. Imagine an inviting, authentic community. King David does in Psalm 133. This vision of unity, when we uh, did the Psalms of Ascent about a year and a half ago, and uh, particularly on that Sunday at Christmas a year ago when Wyman was here, we celebrated Psalm 133 that says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. Christian community is necessary and desirable because it also provides an optimal growth environment for us as Christians. We have been suburban people all of our life, Megan and me and our four children, until God sent our daughter and her husband five years ago to live and minister in rural Nebraska. And she and Greg are now getting a sense of this optimal growth environment as she builds relationships with farmers and chooses illustrations that are relevant in her preaching. She understands better the change of seasons and rainfall and the mix of soil and fertilizer and pest control, seeking the optimal conditions in order to get the highest yield. Optimal growth environment. What are the optimal conditions for growing deeper in Christ? Well, community, a solid, authentic community, is an optimal condition for growing in Christ. Because in community, we are learning together, studying together, exploring together. We're discovering together how God works and how he speaks. Even when we're failing together, even when we're grieving together, even when we are in conflict with each other, we can learn from that. 
Because we can debrief about it. What went wrong here? What does it say about who we are? What does it say about the impact of sin on our community? Let's grow through that. Let's receive the grace of God. And let's learn together. Community is an optimal growth environment when it's going well and when it's not going so well. If we live into who Christ has called us to be. Again, in this biblical perspective on diversity and race, some of the speakers we heard this week at Midwinter talked about it over and over again, not only about the, the walls breaking down, but that the hope for the community, the hope for the church is the place where we can solve some of the issues of race. In fact, the gospel is really the only answer to the issues of race. Because the church and community that is digging into the gospel and the healing, reconciling power of God is the optimal place for growth. It's the optimal place for healing of hurts and wounds and broken relationships. As we listen to each other's story, we grasp the implications of each other's history and as we keep Jesus central. You see, community is so much more than just showing up at church. Our growth is in community with each other. Is it necessary? Yes. Is it easy? No. Not at all. Especially this authenticity thing. Let's look at authenticity for a few moments here. As I say here, why can't we just fake it? I actually was looking online to see if I could just steal somebody else's sermon on authenticity, and it just didn't seem right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there, is, there are sermon websites. In fact, my favorite one, I've never used it, I promise. Desperatepreacher.com. But uh, <laughs> I think it bumps on Saturday evenings, the hits. But anyway... This is my stuff. <laughs> Authenticity. Um, what, what is that? What, what, what are we talking about there? Part of what I, what I call here is the risky business of, of mask removal. You know, the church really is sort of an easy target, especially these days, where the church has lowered in its significance and respect for the church has, has, has dropped. And so the church becomes more and more of an easy target. Who would want to go to church? It's just full of what? Starts with an H? Hypocrites, right? I'm one. Are you? Yeah, okay, good. At least we're in agreement there, right? Maybe some of you aren't. But anyway, uh, the church is in the target. You know, they're all full of hypocrites. And, of course, all they ever want to talk about is money. Uh, and, uh, of course, and the problems of money is that it uh, gives some people a sense of power. And that kind of messes churches up. It has for centuries. The church is demeaning to women. The church is too segregated. There's too much guilt in the church. All of these things that some are some valid criticisms of what's gone on in the church for the last two millennia. We've messed up a lot of stuff. The church is an easy target from the outside, but even from the inside, sometimes we hear each other saying, you know, why does everybody just to pretend like everything's okay? Why does everybody pretend that they're perfect? Everybody comes to church and they're all wearing masks. Well, you, I can see all your faces. None of you are wearing them this morning, but you know what I mean? Sometimes we have that sense of, can we really be ourselves? Are we really just a bunch of phonies? Or is it more that our behavior is something that we've learned to sort of protect ourselves? We're not so sure we always want somebody to know who we really are. Are we really devious deceivers putting masks on? Or more are we struggling survivors? Each of us, our desire to survive, not just physically but emotionally, explains a lot of behavior. And we do it in the church. Sometimes we're just waiting for someone else to kind of open up and kind of a, I will if you will. I'll let you know who I am if you'll let me know who you are. And some of you have experience where it happens. Many of you experience, you, you drop the mask, you, you get real and you get a little more vulnerable. You're in a one-on-one conversation with somebody and it seems just a little bit easier. Or you're in a small group or you're at a retreat, you're away from what's familiar and God moves in a way where you feel a confidence you can open up. 
It's risky because you might not be understood or you might get hurt, but sometimes it means a move towards authenticity. It moves towards a real connection. And a friendship then goes to a deeper level where there is support and there is help and there is identity. Being ourselves is a great place to be, or a phrase that we love to use, of being comfortable in our own skin around people with whom we feel safe. Authenticity comes there. Or as the Catholic priest John Powell wrote in a book, oh my gosh, it's been 40 years. I remember when it was a new book, but he wrote, and this was the title, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? Still very much a relevant question. Why am I afraid to tell you who I am? You see, authenticity comes when we let people know who we really are, when we let them know not just our successes and our good plans, but our failures and our fears, our flaws, our hurts, our insecurities, as well as our hopes and our dreams and our deep convictions. Afraid? Why are we afraid? We assume people will think less of us. We assume people might judge us or, at worst, reject us. But often in the community, when we share something deep from ourselves, people go, oh, then I'm not the only one. (laughs) Me too. In fact, I like you even better now that I know you better. Your honesty, your vulnerability, your imperfection, your authenticity. That's part of it, is letting people know who we are. Authenticity will also mean in a church body a commitment to dealing with real issues, a commitment to to dealing with the things that impact life today for each of us, some of them controversial, living with tension even in areas where we're just going to disagree. There's some areas as Christians where even within the boundaries of respect for Scripture and relationship with Christ, we will never agree, and we live in this tension and trust God together. That's authenticity too, instead of pretending that we're all on the same page. At Naperville Covenant, part of our authenticity is living into what we call the holy manners here, of, of, of having a mutual respect for each other, of believing the best in each other and giving each other the benefit of the doubt, of agreeing to disagree, if you will, of trying to communicate clearly and directly with each other, not going around about and saying, I've heard from other people that, but saying, let's talk about what's going on here, about extending grace to one another and forgiveness and dealing with conflict when we need to. Authenticity is that and so much more of living as real people in real community. And building this kind of community is hard, but it is worth it. Meaningful relationships, support, connection, and belonging in a safe place are all parts of authentic community. And it's so much better than faking it, isn't it? So how do we get there? Just a little bit on developing authentic community. And as I looked at this, I then asked the question, is that even the right strategy to develop? This is a bumper sticker that you see sometimes in the southwest and in Arizona. I can remember seeing this. It says, if it's not grown, it's mined. If it's not grown, it's mined. In other words, raw materials that kind of come together for everything that we use or eat or whatever, either it's grown through agriculture or it's pulled out of the ground and, and mined. And as I think about it, a bumper sticker perhaps for authentic Christian community might read, maybe it's grown and not manufactured. Maybe Christian community is grown and not just manufactured. One of the most enduring pieces of work on community was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer back in the 1930s, this German pastor, a young man, and was martyred for his faith in Nazi Germany. His best-known book is The Cost of Discipleship, a classic that everybody should read, and it's short non-readers. You can read it too. 
But another companion book that has just has had just as big an impact on many lives and on mine is one called Life Together. Life Together, where he talks about community. It's about Christian community, which uh, he distinguishes profoundly from the kind of a community we might experience in a club or a neighborhood, he says, or we might say this days in a Starbucks. For Bonhoeffer, community is all centered in Jesus Christ. I pulled this one little quote from Life Together here. He says, Our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us, anointed us with the Spirit, and set us apart for service to one another. Community consists in what Christ has done in each one of us. Community is grown as we discover Christ together, working in each of us. As Christ is formed in us and we discover that and explore it together, community is built. I saved a blog post that I read a few years ago because it has such a provocative title. And I looked at it again this week. The title is, Could Authentic Community Kill Your Church? Isn't that great on a Sunday when I'm talking about authentic community? <laughs> and it was written at a time when authenticity is it's just kind of one, you know, we, we roll through different kind of trendy buzzwords in, in, in the church. You know, we're dealing with the word missional now. We'll talk about that another Sunday. But words that become buzzwords that are all wonderful until somebody figures out a way to criticize it. And um, that's what's happened with authentic. Authentic, where authentic was used over and over and over again until it seemed kind of, well, phony. <laughs> But what the author of this blog does, he looks at Acts chapter 2 and sees how the Holy Spirit is forming the church. And often we go to Acts 2. You know, that's the story where the Holy Spirit comes and people are speaking in tongues and the whole church comes together. And at the very end of Acts 2, you get this incredible picture of the church living together, sharing all things, people coming to Christ, sharing meals together. This wonderful image of Christian community. But the author says this, Was authentic community ever the goal in Acts chapter 2? What if it was never the goal, but rather an incredible, life-giving, world-changing byproduct of people devoting themselves to being fully grown, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ? What if it was a byproduct of that? If we could ask them, I suspect the disciples would report that no one set out to build authentic community. They simply followed Christ. Remarkably, every time people devoted themselves to following Christ, new communities of believers formed with an intangible quality that we know as authenticity. What if when Starbucks offers authenticity, it's really God whispering a word to stir us to discover the one, capital O, the one who, in drawing us to himself, draws us to each other as well. So maybe the strategy isn't our trying something hard to develop. Maybe it isn't something that we plan for or where we can somehow have an authentic community development program in the church in five easy steps or the pastor preaching one sermon on it and thinking it'll make a difference. (laughs) Maybe it's the long term of us pursuing Christ together, pursuing Jesus together. And let it grow among us as we follow him. Let it grow among us as we fall more in love with Jesus. Let it grow among us as we become better equipped. That's a word we talk about here, being equipped by the gospel. Being discipled, growing strong in what we know and what we experience as we walk with Jesus. And being devoted followers together and become more like him. Become the real people he intended us to be and be that with each other. 
And it's not just hanging out and sharing. It's not, it's not just accumulating knowledge. It's truly growing and leading and eventually changing the world. But it requires the community. It requires our discernment together. It requires our prayer together. Pastor Diana mentioned it in her prayer this morning, praying that as we consider this move as a church, if we're to make some improvements to our building to hopefully improve our, our sense of being equipped and ready to meet the challenges, that we be discerning together. Not just let the loudest voice or the fattest wallet make the decisions, but let God guide us together as we consider what's best for our mission together. Staying close to Jesus and trusting him to lead us. It takes each of us. We each have responsibility. Or as I like to say, some of you are old enough to remember Smokey the Bear, but I have my own twist on that. Only you can prevent inauthentic community. (laughs) Yes, we as a church leadership and staff and our elected leadership, we do have a responsibility to teach, to encourage, and to provide programming in which authentic community can develop. But it won't happen unless we individually take responsibility for our own growth, for our own contributions, in our own times here. Unless we take responsibility to connect with the community, we take responsibility to be here, to show up, not only physically, but to show up and to be fully present and engaged with what's going on in the life of our church as we're able given the kind of schedules and lives that we live. It's a commitment to pursuing Christ in this community in order to love and impact that community out there. Could it be that Christian community isn't something that we develop intentionally, but it comes as we pursue Christ together? Authentic, inviting Christian community. It's a key part of our vision here. We, we talk about it a lot, and we long to move more in that direction. Is it possible that it might best be found not by looking for it, but by simply pursuing Jesus more deeply together? What are your dreams for community? What are your dreams for authentic, inviting community at Naperville Covenant Church? What do you envision? What might God be calling you to do more deeply in your own walk with Christ and your connections with this community? With those two questions before us, let's spend just a moment in prayerful reflection, and then I'll close with prayer. Lord Jesus, for many of us, when we go to that place of deepest desire, as those who love you and and care about your church, we're drawn to this deeper place of wanting this kind of community where we know you, Jesus, and we're empowered together to go and make a difference in the world around us. Lord, we can't put it all together in one little sermon. We ask that your spirit would move among us to give us a deeper hunger for this kind of community, for this desire of knowing you better together as we go deeper together. We pray this, Lord, and ask it in your name. Amen.